Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Amen. It's good to be in the house of God. I hope you've had a, a blessed week. Anybody have a blessed week this, this week? Amen. Amen. God, is, God has been good. Amen. All the time, my God is good. Amen. Um, I just, I, I know Pastor Melissa already spoke on it, but I want to just speak on it one more time. Next Sunday at what time? 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock. You can show up at, a, at 11, but you're going to be put to work. All right. Uh, so feel free. Um, but 12 o'clock, we are, we're going to get, we're going to, we're going to get here and we're going to, we're going to have a, a short service outside. And, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to speak a, a message of salvation. Okay. So if you, if you have been having family that you're like, man, you need a, you need some Jesus. I want you to bring them. You don't have to tell them, you, you don't have to tell them that you're coming to church because technically they're, they're really coming to lunch. Okay. So you can tell them, Hey, I want to take you out to lunch. Let me take you out to lunch. This is a really play, cool place in Edo, right? Edo is like the hot spot right now. So I know this really cool place in Edo. I'm going to take you out to eat for Thanksgiving. They're going to be like, man, awesome. They're going to come. It's going to be free for them. It's also going to be free for you. And they're also going to get the word of God. So I know it's a little sneaky, but, you know, whatever works. Um, but bring somebody next, next week. This is not for us. This is not for us. It's not for you. All right, this is for, we are, we are trying to put our best foot forward uh, into our community and be an established in our community. And I realize that sometimes we, we will do these community events and maybe one or two people from the community actually come. But the more we're consistent with it, the more we say, okay, maybe one or two people came this time, but we're going to do it again. The more people see us, the more people around are driving and they see, hey, there's a church that, that does something for the community. Maybe one of these days I'm going to check out one of their events. So, so that's what this is about. I want you guys to bring somebody, um, invite, 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 and we're going we're gonna to speak the word of God. And I believe that the, the, the power of God is going, to, uh, is going to bring conviction to somebody's life. All right. I want you to be praying for this event. Pray that God speaks in a way. Look, I, I told we had a, a quick little Zoom meeting on, on our uh, for our leaders this, this week, kind of to, to prep them for this. And I said, look, this is going to feel like a different service. It's going to feel very different. And I know when we get thrown into the different, we don't really know what to do. And it's like weird. And it's like, do I say amen? Do I lift up my hands here? Like, like what, how, this is not normal, but it's not meant to be normal because there's, there's a whole community that doesn't want to come to church because of the, of a certain perception that they have of church. We're bringing the church to them. And it might feel different to us, but God works in the different. God works in all kinds of aspects. So be believing and praying for this event. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'm going to ask that you turn with me to the gospel of Matthew. That is the first book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to be reading. It's going to be shorter this, this morning, 13 through 17, 13 to 17. If you have it, you can say amen. 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 And it says this. It says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist. Others say you're Elijah. Others say you're Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And he said to them, okay, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, well, 
You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, my God, for this word that you've spoken over me, and I am excited to speak it, Father God. I pray that, Holy Spirit, you be on my lips, my God, that this may be none of me but all of you, Father God, and I pray that you open up our hearts and our minds to receive this word of conviction this morning. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So I've had this passage on my mind since Monday, and so since Monday, I knew that I wanted to preach on it. And so uh, Thursday comes around, and I'm halfway done with my sermon, and I'm so proud of myself because it's Thursday, and I'm almost done with the sermon. And as of late, I haven't been able to finish my sermon uh, up until Saturday, and I don't like doing that because I like to reserve my Saturdays for my family. And so I was feeling really proud of myself. I'm like, God, yeah, we're doing this thing. We're doing this thing. And then God gave me a whole other perspective of this passage. Four verses here, and I ended up redoing the whole sermon. And, you know, it, it's it's... It's funny. It's also kind of, it's kind of annoying when, when God does that, right? Like we, we know that if you preach, all right, Pastor Danny, I know you know that, right? It, it's, it's, it's like when, when you think that you know, you think that you're going in a straight line and you're like, God, we got this, we're doing it. And it doesn't have to be preaching. It could be anything. You feel so confident. You think that it's the Holy Spirit empowering you and driving you. And then God's like, hey, turn, make a left right here. But you're like, God, I, I'm, I'm going straight. I, I, I know where my destination, go left. And, and, and so he kind of reroutes you, and that's kind of what he did uh, this week. God showed me something uh, through this word that really just shifted my perspective. It's almost as if God gave me another angle of which to understand this word. And that is the message this morning of this, of, of this sermon, angles. Someone say angles. You're probably thinking, what the heck do angles have to do with anything spirit-related? When we talk about angles, and I'm not, I, I did terribly in geometry, okay? So I don't, I'm relying 100% on the Holy Spirit. But when we're talking about angles, most of the time, I think we're talking about points of view, what we can see. When you, when, when you have a subject in your line of vision, your angle will determine what you see, right? Bless you, sister. And so if I'm preaching up here and, and, and maybe there's somebody back here, they can see me, but they don't have a really good angle of me. They can't, they can't, they can't see what I'm doing with this hand. They can't see where I'm looking. They can see me, but they don't have a very good perspective. They don't have a good angle of which they are looking at me. And, 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 and so your angle will determine what you see, right? Your angle will determine what you see and what you see is important. Because what you see, I want you to hear me this morning. What you see will determine what you believe. What you see will determine what you believe. And so I'm into photography. Uh, it's, a, it's one of my, I've, I've shared this with you. It's one of my hobbies, most expensive hobby. And, uh, but I, I, I enjoy doing it. I'm also into real estate. And so I know, photographers know all too well how to, uh, how to manipulate the photo to make it look like the, like the room that you're looking at on that Zillow listing is actually bigger than what it is. With the right wide angle lens and the right, right angle of which you are taking the shot, I can make you think that that tiny 10 by 10 room is a magnificent grand room and ready for you to move in it. And I can't tell you how many times I've, I've walked into like a, like a real estate listing and somebody always says, these pictures, the, the pictures made it look bigger. 
these rooms are smaller than what they really are. See, your angle will determine what you see. What you see will determine what you believe. There's one more. What you believe will determine what you speak. What you believe will determine what you speak. So you see it, you believe it, and then you speak it. And, and, and when you get to this third step of speaking, uh, we know that there is power in what we say, right? There are power in your words. Be careful what you say. There is power in your words. The Bible tells us that, that the tongue is incredibly powerful. Proverbs says that there is the power of death and life in your tongue. You can build people up with what you say, with how you appreciate them, with, with, with how you love them, with how you encourage them. You can also kill people with what you say and with how you say it and with where you say it and with to whom you say it with. The power of the tongue has the power of death and life. It is powerful. And sometimes what we speak is, is harmful not just to everyone around us, but, but also ourselves. Is that powerful? And I want you to, I want you to understand the power of the tongue. It, it affects everyone in the room. And so you may find yourself in a season where, where your speech is negative. Your speech is negative and you're, and you're speaking negative uh, because you're believing negatively. And you're believing negatively because your perspective is negative. So it affects your speech. And so you begin to say things like, man, we're always going to be broke. We're, we're never going to get out of debt. We're always going to be in this. I, it's never going to get better. I'm never going to get better. I'm always going to be a failure. I don't know who needs to hear this. But there is power in what you say. There are power, there's power in your words. Even if your words are not directed at anyone, they can still feel the weight of, they can still feel the weight of it. You don't have to say something to someone for it to affect them the same way. We have this, this rule at our house. Actually, Pastor Melissa made up the rule. Um, and I respect it. And I respect it. And I'm in, in agreement with it. Um, but it, could, it was coming from me. It was coming from me. And she says, look, we need, we need a rule. She says, we, never need a, we, we need to never put ourselves down in front of our children. And I was like, praise God. Uh, Proverbs 31 woman right there. Never put yourself, she said, I don't want to hear you putting yourself down in front of my daughter. I don't want you looking in the mirror saying, man, uh, I need to lay off the taco. I don't, I don't want to hear that. Don't be, don't be saying that in front of my daughter. I was like, yes, ma'am. Because it, it's so easy to do. It's so easy to look at yourself in the mirror. And, and I do this all the time. I examine myself. I'm like, man, I'm only 32 years old, man. Why, why do I got bags under my eyes, man? Why, why, why can't I have a little bit more hair? Why? Why? And I'm like giving myself a pep talk, like grow hair, right? <laughs> you know, and it's like, and then, and, and sometimes like if I'm driving and, and maybe you do this too, I hope I'm not the only one, but you miss a turn or you miss an exit. And then you just start saying some mean words to yourself. Like, man, I'm such an idiot, man. I can't even read a map. It's right here. <laughs> But then I think, do I want my daughter Layla saying the same things that I'm saying about myself, about herself? Do I want her calling her, having a negative perception of who she is? And this, this doesn't, right, this isn't just speech about yourself. This is speech about your situation. I don't want my kids speaking as if they have no hope because of the situation that they're in. 
I don't want them always assuming the worst is going to happen because of the situation that they're in. I don't want them speaking and worrisome because that's what they heard growing up at home. If this is you today and you say, Pastor, you're speaking, you, may, you might need a reset. You might need to start back at the top because you're speaking out of what you believe. And, and you're believing out of, out of what you see and you're seeing because of the angle that you're seeing something from. And see, when, when the disciples, when the disciples were on the boat, you remember the story where, where Jesus calms the storm? When, when the disciples are on the boat and the winds begin to come and, and the waves begin to rise, they're terrified. Why are they terrified? Because they are viewing the storm from a very human perspective. And you say, well, pastor, they're humans. That's, that's natural, right? But, but, but then they go down to Jesus and Jesus is asleep and they wake him up. Like, why are you asleep? There's a storm. We're about to die. And Jesus is like, oh, like why you wake me? Why did you wake me? And then he calms the storm like it was nothing. Now, Jesus was human too. Jesus is fully man, fully God. And when he came down to earth, when he stepped out into time, he became fully man, but he still had a divine perspective. He had a divine, who says that you can't be a woman or a man without a divine perspective? Who says that? See, see, Jesus knew who his father in heaven was. Jesus knew that his father in heaven had all power and authority over the storm. He knew that that same power existed in him as a son of God. And so he calmed the storm. Jesus can calm the storm. Now you're thinking, I know what you're thinking this morning. Pastor, we can't calm all the storms like Jesus can. We can't, we can't just, like, just put out our hands and, and, and the storm is calm. And that's true. But you know what? To me, as I was, as I was uh, reading this word, the, the, the part of this story that is so calming to me is not where Jesus calmed the storm. It's the part where he was at peace during the storm. Jesus was asleep. During the storm, before he got up and told the winds, be quiet and be still, he was quiet and still. People are so frantic. We're so terrified when we're in it, when we're in the storm, and, 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 and we're only calm after it's over. We're like, man, God, thank you for taking me through that. It's, it's over. But during the storm, man, we're freaking out. We're calling everybody that we can, asking for advice, looking on Google, We're we're crying out to people because we're so terrified. And Jesus was calm and at peace during the storm because he had a different perspective. In order to change what you speak, you have to change what you believe. And in order to change what you believe, you have to change what you see. If you want to change what you see, you have to find a different angle. So if you're seeing more of the storm than you're seeing of God, you need to adjust your position to see more of God and less of the storm. A lot of times we, we take our little problems and we go like this. Michael's wit did this one time in an illustration. He take, I don't know, I don't know what it was. It was like a little dime or something. And he goes, this little, this little tiny dime, it's nothing. It's insignificant. But when we go like this, it's all we see. That's it. And now we're, and if you zoom out, you, you see how we're just, we're crying out to God over something so small. But when you zoom out, 
You're like, man, God, I was worried about that. You might have to change your angle so that you can see more of God. And you say, what does this have to do with Matthew 16, 13 through 17? So Jesus asked the disciples two questions, two questions. He says, who do they say and who do you say that the son of man is? Different, different questions. They're going to get different answers. Who do they say? Who do the people say that I am? The people that Jesus is talking about are people who have all heard something about Jesus. They know something about Jesus. They might have even witnessed the miracles that Jesus performed countless times. They, they all know something about Jesus. And so some say he was John the Baptist. And saying this, the people were saying that Jesus was another prophet who was, who was continuing to prepare the way for the Messiah. Others said that he was Elijah. Elijah was believed to, to, to come, return before the day of the Lord. And they believed that Jesus was Elijah. Others said Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a, was a prophet who lamented and who, who preached destruction and doom. They b- believed that he was Jeremiah. And still others said another prophet. And if you, if you were to ask the question today, who is Jesus? You're going to get all kinds of answers. Some people might say he's a prophet. He was a teacher. He was a prominent historical figure. Some might say that, that he was crazy. He was, a, he was a liar. He was a lunatic. Since day one, day one, Jesus had people saying something about him. Since day one. And, and what you say is all determined by your angle, by what you see of Jesus, by what you believe of Jesus. That's what you're going to say about Jesus. And so he says, what do people say that I am? What do they say? What do people say? And I have a question for you this morning. Are you saying the same thing about Jesus as other people are saying about Jesus? Uh, he's, he's a great teacher. He was a prominent historical. He, he, he changed the course of history forever. Or do you say something a little bit more? I want you to notice that, that the disciples, when they, when they first started following Jesus, what they would have said about Jesus when they first started following him was very different than what they said here on this day when they declared him to be the Messiah, the son of the living God. The disciples always knew that Jesus was the Messiah. He, I mean, since the day that they started following him, they called him the Messiah. They called him the Christ. They, they, they called him the son of David. Religiously and culturally, they were taught to expect the coming Messiah. They were in a position to correctly affirm that Jesus was the Messiah because they were looking for him. But they had no clue that, that Jesus was also the son of God. That was a different type of revelation. That went well beyond what they were taught. That went well beyond everything that they believed as a, as a, as a, as a Jewish culture. Jesus says it was revealed it was revealed to Peter that he was the son of God. After some time, Peter and the apostles, they eventually came to this revelation. Jesus, you're, you're more than just a prophet. You're more than just the Messiah. You, you are, you're divine. You are the son of God. But they were only able to see that because they were close enough to Jesus to see the real Jesus. They were in his circle, right? I, I talked about the circle a while back. Being in the crowd is different than being in the circle. These men were in the inner circle of Jesus. 
So the disciples, they experienced the miracles that Jesus did as well as, as, well as the crowds, right? They saw, they, they saw the miracles that the crowd saw. They, they heard the sermons. They heard the teachings like, like the crowds heard. But they also experienced Jesus apart from the teachings, apart from the miracles, apart from all the good stuff that you might be coming for on a Sunday morning. They experienced Jesus on a relational level. Have you experienced Jesus on a relational level? Or have you just experienced a miracle? Have you experienced a secondhand miracle? Have you experienced God speaking into into your life? Or have you experienced him deeper than that? Have you experienced the real Jesus? You can only know the real person when you have a real connection to them. I'm going to say that again. Some of y'all need to hear that. You can, you can only know the real person when you have a real connection to them. Stop talking about people like you know them when you don't have a real connection to them. Y'all, y'all know that this is one of my biggest pet peeves. Y'all, y'all know, man, I get fired up when people start talking about other people like they know them. If you're talking about me, but you don't know me, how dare you? <laughs> you don't know my calling. You don't know my promise. You don't know my situation. You don't know the real things that I deal with. I'm not going to comment on a decision you make without the context of, of, the, of why you made the decision. We judge people out of context all the time. Just like we open up the Bible and we read one word and we're like, okay, well, this obviously means this to my situation. You don't have the context. And so when we look at people and they make a decision and it's a, it's a mistake, oh, that sums up. That, that one mistake sums, up, sums them all up in our mind. Because we don't know, we don't have a real connection. That's another sermon. Where am I going? Hold on, hold on. (laughs) What was I saying? You have to connect. You have to connect to someone to know them. Amen? You have to connect to someone to know them. So, so, So dare I say that people who claim to be Christian don't even know the real Jesus. Because they don't have a real connection to Jesus. You might know an aspect of Jesus. You might know things about Jesus. Maybe what you know about Jesus only comes from what you hear about Jesus, but not what you've experienced about Jesus. See, you can know, listen, you can know the Jesus who performs miracles. And, and, and this, this, this is what happened so much in, in, the, in the days of Jesus, when Jesus was going around and he was feeding the thousands and, and, and he was casting out demons and, and he was raising dead men to life, people saw the miracles and they believed in the miracle working Jesus. The moment Jesus stopped doing the miracle, they stopped believing in Jesus. Because what they believed was connected to what they saw. And they were only seeing miracles. They were only seeing what they wanted to see. So you can know Jesus who performs miracles, but then he stops doing miracles and then you stop believing in Jesus. See, this way of knowing Jesus always demands more, always demands more. This is, this is why the Pharisees, they still ask for a sign. Give us another sign. One more. Just give one more. You saw all the miracles that I've been doing. I ain't doing anything else because I could do another one. You're still not going to believe. Is, is that, is that, is that the Jesus, you know? Nah, not, not here, right? <laughs> I, 
I hope that's not the Jesus you know. Where, where he's always having to perform. Maybe you know, maybe you know God is Jehovah Jireh. Anybody know him as Jehovah Jireh? Praise God. But maybe that's all you know about him. Maybe he provided you, provided for you one time and you're like, praise God, Jehovah Jireh. And then the next time he didn't provide for you the way that you wanted him to provide. Because all you know is Jehovah Jireh. That's all you know. To know the real Jesus is to know all of Jesus. To know the real God is to know all of God. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what was going on in Peter's mind when he was asked this question. Right? It, it, it feels like a test. Right? Like, who do they say that I am? Oh, it's easy. They, I mean, you, because you can always cast the blame on other people, right? You can always just defer the question to other people. Well, I heard them say John the Baptist. I heard them say you're Elijah. Okay, who do you say? Oh, snap. I wasn't expecting that one. And so if I'm Peter, I, I, I want to get this right because I got the Lord asking me, what do I say about Jesus? And, and so if I'm Peter, I'm thinking long and hard about it. Okay, you're a prophet, you're, you're, you're a teacher, you're a preacher, you're a healer, you're a provider, you're a caster-outer of demons, you're the Lord that even nature obeys. You know what? You know what? That sounds a lot like God. I don't know that there is one single human description that can testify of the man Jesus. So maybe the man Jesus is not merely a man. Maybe the son of man is also the son of the living God. Maybe that's what it is. And that's why he says, you know what? You're not just a prophet. You're not just a healer. You're not just a teacher. You're not just a preacher. You are the son of the living God. I don't, I, I, you, man, that should make you go crazy right now because, because to say that he is God, you know what type of revelation that takes? You know what you're saying when you profess someone as God? See, in Egyptian culture, you have a God for everything. You have a God for You have a sun God. In, in, in Greek mythology, you have a God for everything. You have a, a God for the wind, the sea, the, the sun, the stars. Yahweh is one. one. Lord over everything. He's not just the God of the sun. He's not just the God of your morning. He's the God of your evening. He is the God of everything. That is what Yahweh is. And that is the revelation that Peter had of Jesus. Oh my God, you are God. Man. Let me tell you that, that who you want Jesus to be today is not all that he is. See, sometimes we only want a portion of Jesus. Just want a little sliver. Just give me your hands. Just give me your provision. Just, just give me the healing aspect of Jesus. I don't need the Lord part. I just need the healing part. I don't need the Savior part today. I'm good today, but I, I do need a healing. I, I do need a blessing. I do need a new job. But the... Jesus, he's more. Jesus is more. Jesus is God. How many believe that Jesus is God? Jesus is God, right? Jesus is God. You know what that means to say that Jesus is God? See, see, Jesus, 
is God and to know that he is God means to experience him as God. To know that Jesus is God means you have to experience him as God. See, you can come to church. You can be familiar with church culture. You can be a professional Christian, but not experience God. And if you're not experiencing God, you don't really know God. Because let me tell you something. The Hebrew word for know is yada, which literally means to experience intimately. To know God means to experience God. And if you want the revelation of who God is, you have to, you have to experience God. You have to have moments with God. You have to experience him. Let me give you a light theology lesson on the nature of God. In order for God to be God, he has to be greater. If, if anything is greater than God, then that is God. By definition, in order for God to be God, he has to be greater. You say, Pastor, greater than what? I don't, it don't matter. Greater than anything. I don't need to fill in the blank. Greater than anything. And so God's name is, is, is the I am. That's, that's when he formally introduces himself in, in scripture. That's where we get Yahweh. He tells he tells Moses, because Moses is Moses asking, who do I say sent me? By, by whose authority? And God's like, you tell them, I am that I am sent you. That, that's, that's, that's where we get the Hebrew Yahweh from. I am literally means I will be that which I will be. In other words, Moses is going to tell, it's going to take too long for me to tell you what I am. So I'll just leave it a blank. I am. I am greater. I am greater than your struggles. I am greater than your pain. I am bigger than your giants. I am bigger than the mountains. That's, that's who God is. Now, if we're honest, we don't always act like God is greater. Come on, let me do some preaching now. We don't always act like God is greater. We, we, we know it. We preach it. We receive it. We take notes on it. But we don't always act like God is greater. If we did, we, w- we wouldn't worry as much as we do. Right? I mean, for real. I don't. Man, when I was a kid, I would never worry when I was in the, in the car. I was never thinking we're going to get in an accident. I was never that kid. And so sometimes I would take off my seatbelt. I'd just roll, play in the car, like play tag with my sisters, you know. Like I, I had no care. And they, I'm sorry, that makes y'all look bad. That didn't really happen, okay? They're good parents, right? But what the point I'm making is that I never had to worry about like, getting in an accident because I, I was, I knew that my dad was in control. I didn't worry. But as, as adults, we, we, we worry so much. Even though we know who's driving the boat, why do we worry? <laughs> and so that's why I'm saying we don't always act like God is greater. Because if we did, we wouldn't worry. We wouldn't stress so much. But just like the disciples in the boat, we see things from a human angle. And so when storms rise, fear rises with it. When uncertainty comes, anxiety comes with it. When you're overwhelmed, we drown in our stress and our, fr- uh, our frustration. And I know this is easy to preach and it's much harder to live. And we're always going to deal with these things. 
But you know what? These are the moments where I just pray that in my personal life, God asked me that same question that he asked Peter. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? In that moment of struggle, wait, 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 Ryan, hold on. Who do you say that I am? It's like, it's like God saying, who's your daddy, right? It's like, it's the equivalent. Like, who do you say that I am? God, I am worried about my bills or how am I going to be able to pay my bills? Wait, wait, who do you, who do you say that I am? God, I'm afraid and uncomfortable in this season that I'm finding myself. Who do you say that I am? See, we're not always declaring the victory of God. Going back to, 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 to what, we, what we see, believe, and say. We don't always declare. We don't always speak the victory of God because we're not always able to see God from the position that we're standing in. And I'll tell you why. It's because the position that we place ourselves in is in one that is in front of our problems. Can I get, Pastor Brandon, can I, can I get you up here real quick? Brother Junior, can I get you up here? Pastor Danny, can I get you up here? I need one, one, one more, one more man. One, Brother Abraham, can you come up here real quick? <laughs> All right, I want, y'all to, I want y'all to lock arms with me real quick. Let's lock arms, let's lock arms. Okay, okay. Man, the power. I, I requested uh, uh, Pastor Brandon up here because, man, he's got the power. See, a lot of times... A lot of times, loosen up a little bit, bro. All right. All right. All right. A lot of times when we're confronted with our problems, look, problems aren't going anywhere. They ain't going anywhere. Paul said in this life, you are going to have trials and tribulations in the Christian life. You still get life. Okay. And so there's nothing I can do about these, but but a lot of times what we like to do as Christians is we like to hone in on our problems. We just like to see, can we, can we close this circle? Look at this. Now all I'm surrounded by are my problems. And that's all I'm looking at. I'm looking at eye to eye. And man, y'all are handsome. But, <laughs> but nah, these problems are ugly. I hate them. <laughs> And it's all I'm looking at and I can try to squirm and I can try to fight and I can try to do it by my own might and my own resources. And I just, I just get further and further away. And I'm just looking at my problems. And then because of what I see, I begin to believe I am not as powerful as these mountains standing next to me. I am, I am, I'm about to be defeated by these giants. And then because I believe it, I begin to say it and I begin to speak. I am done. I quit. I can't go on anymore. I'm always going to be a failure. What if, what if we change our perspective? Come on, let's, let's break it up. Break it up. Stay, stay connected. Stay connected. What if I change my perspective? And now I'm looking at God. I'm looking up. I'm not looking at my problems. I'm still attached to them, but I'm looking at God. And, and, and because now I see God, I begin to believe that, that, that greater is he than he who is in the world. And no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And because I believe it, I begin to speak it. You are Yahweh. You are Rapha. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are Nisi. You are my Prince of Beasts. You are Shalom. You are greater than anything that I need. What if we just changed our perspective? And what we, what, what we begin to speak, there's one more aspect to this. What we begin to speak produces life. There is power in the tongue. It can kill the spirit. It can also lift it up. 
I'm not, look, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about naming and claiming. I, no, I don't do that. I don't do that. that that's not, that's not biblical. That's been abused and misused and I've tried it. Okay. I've tried claiming things. <laughs> if it were that easy, right? When the Bible talks about life and death, it's not talking about material things. It's talking about spiritual things. And so what I speak negatively can kill my spirit. It can defeat me before I'm really defeated. But it can also produce life. And you know how peaceful it is? Last year, my, my, my cousin passed away. And after he passed away, I said out loud, I said, God, you are good. You know how much peace I was overwhelmed with? You know how much peace it produces to look at your bank account and it's negative, but you say, God, you are faithful. You know how much peace that brings? And notice these aren't, these aren't problems that are going anywhere. I'm still attached to them and I still feel the weight of them and I, and I still feel resistance when I try to move, but I'm not looking at them. I'm not giving them any attention. Thank you guys. Thank you. What if we changed our angle? When you, begin to, when you begin to declare the victory of God, that's when you begin to walk in the victory. I'm going to have the worship team come up. Maybe every day, maybe every day you wake up with a question. How much longer am I going to go through this? When will it get better? When will I come out of this? When? Maybe it's not a question of when. Maybe it's a question of why. God, why am I going through this? Maybe it's not a question of why. Maybe it's a question of where. Where do I go? I'm so confused. I, don't, I have no direction. Where do I go? And we're talking up our problems. And we're magnifying our problems. And we're idolizing our problems. What if instead we woke up every moment with the question, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? That's a power. That's a powerful question, man. Who do you say Jesus is? Because, because when you, when you're asked that question, it's like you feel guilty about even worrying about everything. See, sometimes, sometimes what we, what we say of our circumstances is greater than what we should be saying about who our God is. What you speak is powerful. What you speak is powerful. Maybe you're hurting this morning, but don't speak that nonsense. It's almost as if we have to speak the opposite of the circumstance that we're in. And you say, pastor, that's denial of circumstance. No, it's declaration of who he is. That's what it is. There's one more aspect to this that I don't even have on my, I don't even have on my notes. I, I, I thought about this on, on the way over here because I was kind of freaking out. I was trying to figure out how to, how to end the sermon. And then, and then I, I'm always so critical about myself and, and, uh, and you know, I, 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 I approach the word of God, um, as, a, as a, as a student of, of, of the word, you know, as a, as a theologian, if you will. And I was like, man, God, but we can't, we can't see you. We can't see you. 
And I was, I was freaking out. I was like, man, my whole sermon is going to fall apart because we look up and we don't, we, we can't see God. If, 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 if it's determined by my angle, I mean, I, we can't see you. We can't see you. So if we can't see you, how am I expected to believe? And if I can't believe, how am I expected to speak? How can I believe and speak from that of which I cannot see? And then God reminded me of Thomas. Thomas. Doubting Thomas, as they call him. And that crazy man, one man makes one mistake one time, and now he's scarred for life. Doubting Thomas. As if we've never made mistakes. I'm just going to call him Thomas. Thomas did have a moment of doubt, as we all do. He hears, he hears that Jesus is resurrected and he tells the disciples, unless I can touch his hands, I won't believe it. Because again, a lot of what we believe is based off of what we can see. And so he's like, okay, you, you say he's resurrected, but that sounds a little too crazy for me, guys. Like, I, I know we're the 12 disciples, but that's yeah, a little too much. I won't believe it unless I see it. What I love is that Jesus comes and he meets him in his doubt. And he, he meets him where he is. And he says, okay, Thomas, if, if this is what you need, here, here are my no pierced hands. Touch them. Feel them. And then the Bible says that upon touching them, he makes the, the, the declaration, my Lord, my God. My Lord, my God. It is you. It's you. I can, I can, I can touch you. I can, I can feel you. I can see you. My Lord, my God, you're standing before me. I, 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 can, I can believe in you now. I can, I can speak. And Jesus offers this, this kind, subtle rebuke. He says, you believe me because you can see me. Blessed are those who believe me and yet do not see. And so that first premise, you have to see it. We're not talking seeing things with our physical eyes. See, Christian vision is oftentimes known as faith. It's faith. It's faith in the promises God has made. It's faith in his word. It's faith that he will fulfill all that he said he would. It's faith. It's faith by looking at your past and seeing the outcomes of certain situations that God pulled you out of certain things. And and if he did it then, he can do it again. I have that faith because I've seen it in the past. Maybe I can't see it right now, but I can see it with my faith. And a uh, a Hebrew said that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That is my faith working. And that faith produces belief. And now I am walking in this belief that God is God and he is over all things. And now in that belief, I begin to declare the victory of God over my life. But you can only get there by changing your angle. Stop looking at the waves. Stop looking at the storm. They're going to be there. They're going to be there. But so is God. So is God. 
And I want us to sing that song. I want us to sing Oceans. And I'm going to ask that you stand right now, stand right now, and just begin to, 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 to speak, to declare the victory of God over your life right now. Come on, church. Just begin to speak. Just begin to speak. Begin to remember everything that God has pulled you through. Begin to remember that you are here today with a purpose. God has called you by name. And in that faith, begin to declare the victory of God over your situation. We speak it, we speak it, we speak Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.